The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Was without a doubt the best deck I've ever drafted because I drafted a deck with a plan. I've never done that before. Six force wills and four wastelands. Right. I run 14 lands. <laughs> I am Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planetalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Again, typical Tuesday. I've got the day off. Our refrigerator crapped out last week on us, so we got our new refrigerator today. Isn't being a homeowner great? Yeah, it's cool. So you just buy a house, and then when stuff breaks, it's not your landlord's problem, it's your problem. We had a similar thing where, like, three months after we moved in, our AC took a poop. Yeah. And it was like, how much is it going to cost? $4,000? Yeah, run my credit card. Yep, here you go. Because it's summer. Yeah, it's 100 degrees outside. And you're sitting here being like, how much is a fridge? Two grand? Cool. Well, I like having food. Yep. Yeah, well, we got a little lucky, too. Uh, the previous owners of the house had left a spare refrigerator in the garage. Mm-hmm. We live in the Midwest. So that's very common. Very common. Uh, I hadn't been using it. Just I just didn't feel it was necessary, but it what? still worked. Then yeah. it was necessary. <laughs> yeah. Well, then our main refrigerator stopped working, and all of a sudden, we've got a backup. So that was really cool. So yeah, we got that up and going. Just proof that good things happen to bad people. Yep. Other than that, I've just been playing more Final Fantasy XI, gearing up a job called Red Mage. So just been playing that grinding i just got my ambuscade weapon which if anybody plays final fantasy 11 they'd know what that is but it's a very good it's like one of the fourth it's probably like the fourth best weapon like one-handed sword for red mage so i mean it's not cool. like the end all be all but it's, it does a very cool thing cool. it makes one weapon skill do a lot of damage cool yeah talk about horses my nerd shit's way cooler than not, horses <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna knock on you for having fun playing the game you like to play so yeah that's i just been the the cool thing about the the way the game is structured now is way back in the day, like if you're playing it in 2004, 2006, something like that, you would spend hundreds of hours just trying to level up. That is all, I shouldn't say it's all gone, but um, I had actually power leveled a buddy of mine, his character, it took me three levels to power level him to max level. Mm. Like three hours, I should say. Yeah, that's efficient. Um, granted, that's that doesn't get everything involved with the character, but like that one aspect of the game, which used to be a huge chunk of the game, has now been dramatically reduced so you can get into more of the meat of the game uh, and that's basically what I've been doing I mostly play solo so I'm I'm trying to find as much content as I can to do by myself gotcha that's the games I play I mostly play solo now just easier it's hard to it's hard to wrangle friends when you're a grown up like it getting is, multiple people online it is it's a pain especially when you play the games I play like like if I was like hey Jake let's play battlefield you'd be like yes yeah and if I'm like hey Jake let's play this you know, well, 20 year old RPG that has a subscription fee still. Even even beyond it being like an older RPG style, just playing MMORPGs is hard because yeah. you don't get to play when your friends aren't there because then you outlevel them or you play a separate character. And now, you, I mean, you play the game a bunch extra. It's It just adds extra layers to it where you don't like, I can just hop on and play as much Battlefield as I want. And then you can hop on and there's no difference between it. it's like, oh yeah, I'm level 100. I have more scopes for my guns. Yeah. But, you know, if you're, a level 50 mage and I'm a level four mage. I mean, we can hang out together, but we're not accomplishing anything for you. So I will give Final Fantasy 11 the credit it deserves in that particular regard. It was the first game. As far as I know, it was literally the first game to come up with what's called level sync. And it's if I'm level 90 and you're level 20, we get in a party and I level sync down to your level and the the rest of the game treats me as level 20 that's really good first game to do that yeah that's a that's that isn't even like that isn't even a guaranteed thing today where that where you can play with people at different levels well and what we're talking about is when we were playing burning crusade together Mm -hmm. and then like you and i would play together and then if i wanted to play while you weren't on i had to go do another character because if i'm out there completing the stuff that you and i are working on then i'm a higher level than you that affects your literal experience you get from yep. enemies it causes a bunch of problems if we're not the same level the game is prepared to stop you from rolling around level 99 right and me at level five correct whereas final fantasy 11 actually actively that's cool encourages that that's really cool actually yeah now other games have adopted that that kind of 
they they all do it slightly different or whatever. It's a relatively common thing now. The idea that yeah, when you play with someone of a much lower level, like it, the game kind of meets you in the. It, it brings someone to the next to the to the same level, so you guys yeah. can at least play together. Obviously, I you know if you're a way higher level, we can't work on your end game stuff. But Correct. the game is still fun. You don't have to maintain two separate characters. Yep. Yeah. So. That's good. Yeah, that, that's that's a good that, that's a really cool thing, and I'm not surprised to see it come from Final Fantasy, like as like an original person. Yeah, and to I mean it's that. it's made by Square Enix. They're one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. Yep. I don't. And Final Fantasy be, is an amazing. Yeah, one of the biggest series genre. in the world. Yep. So, as for me, yeah, how about you, Jake? I didn't do much this week. We are right in the middle of Christmas rush. I work for a delivery company, so as you can imagine, it's been bananas. It's been very busy. Been very busy. Uh, I did get to do a little bit of magic last week. I. Hopped on and tried out the MH2 drafts because there's a chance to pull a Ragavan. And you know, if I can pull a hundred dollar card out of a draft, I'll give it a shot. Yep. I'm not very good at drafting. I do listen to um the limited resources podcast about every week with mm-hmm. LSV, and they talk about, you know, drafting of all kinds. And this is definitely without a doubt the deck I drafted was without a doubt the best deck I've ever drafted because I drafted a deck with a plan. Yep. I've never done it before. So I drafted a really cool like plus one plus one counter uh, slash squirrel based deck mm-hmm. and uh, proceeded to get my ass handed to me. I went a solid 06. <laughs> Got the 0306 oh, and nice. scrubbed out of Perfect the draft. Record. <laughs> yep. I uh, was very consistent. I had a lot of game. I mean, most of my games, my deck did its thing really well. It just, I just got overpowered and. I just I scrubbed out with um, just probably should have made some better draft decisions. But I sit here and I will absolutely say I don't like drafting. I recognize that drafting is one of the most popular ways magic is played. And there are people that are very good at it. And uh, I don't like it. And I'm bad at it. And those two things work together to make an unfun experience. You should have been able to draft the Earl of Squirrel if we're going to ruin constructed formats we might as well let yeah, I mean, the unsets ruin limited formats borderline too and put playable. the earl of squirrel in yeah. your squirrel deck and give all your squirrels yep. squirreling yep. that probably could have wheeled to me i mean there was <laughs> well, there was a lot well, of open the, lanes in the squirrels what you were missing was a bomb yeah i need <laughs> a good bomb. A bomb and the earl of squirrel is exactly the bomb your deck needed but after getting my butt just handed to me playing draft i went ahead and hopped on uh rented some cards from mana traders for Hashtag not sponsored, but man traders, please sponsor us. <laughs> Rented some cards for the for basically my reanimator deck, my modern reanimator deck, and I went and just played around in the free queue and went like then I went like six zero. Yep. <laughs> then so I just you at least creamed. Don't suck at magic. Yeah, I'm not terrible at magic. I'm terrible at drafting, and drafting is hard, and I'm bad at it. I'm not terrible at magic. Yeah, we are solidly mediocre at magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good at constructed, but I'm really bad at limited, and yep. they middle out to being a average at best player yep. gotta get those c's son yep c's to get degrees c's earn degrees <laughs> all right but that's basically my week I, I didn't do a whole lot this week other than work so before we hop into our legacy meta this week i want to give a shout out as i do every week to our mothership show the plain stalkers podcast they are an excellent uh commander and standard based podcast they focus mostly on standard but they do a lot of commander as well will and aramis do a wonderful job of putting together a wonderful product Every Monday at twitch.tv forward slash playing soccer's podcast, they stream their show. So if you want to watch it live, you can. And then you can also check it out on pretty much every podcatcher on Wednesdays. If you're listening to us, you're probably on a website that has the playing soccer's podcast. Something that I don't talk about enough with them is the amount of free tournaments Will and Aramis put on, and they run it through their Discord, discord.playingsoccerspodcast.com. And they do it, they do these tournaments every time a new set comes out, and sometimes just in the middle. Where they literally give away a box, and these uh, are typically speaking arena tournaments, right? Usually they do it. They almost always do it on arena. And there have been some discussions of maybe changing because there's some iffy stuff going on with arena right, right now in alchemy. But you know, this is a chance for people to if you hop on the Discord and when these new sets come out, obviously they're not in one right now, but for free, enter into a tournament that you have a chance to win mailed to you a sealed box. Usually I think it's a, a set booster box of the new product. So for example, when Kamigawa and Neon Destiny comes out, they'll be hosting a tournament. They'll have, uh, usually it's up to, I think 32, maybe 64 players. And after what is usually three or four weeks of kind of a very loosey goosey tournament structure, where we just play each other. Did someone gets a box mailed to them? Yeah. The last one that I saw you participate in was a uh, no ban list standard. That was a pretty fun that one. Was, that looked really cool. Yeah, back before rotation, we did a no ban list. Uh, what would happen if Oko was unbanned? Yeah, it was Oko and yep. Once Upon a Time. And Very recently for Crimson Vow, we did uh, Historic Brawl. Mm-hmm. So it was basically um, legacy, or not legacy, uh, commander decks yeah. on Arena. But we did 
historic, or sorry, we did a legendary commander historic brawl. And so Will went in and made a list of all the legendaries that were available. And once a legendary creature was taken, no one else could play it. So there was one Teferi deck. There was one Sliver deck. There was one, there was only one of each. There was only one Kinnon deck. So it was pretty cool to have like, you know, um, patrons got to come in a little early and get their their deck they wanted reserved early. But it, they do a lot of really fun stuff. They don't just always just throw us at like, oh, play the meta. They usually try and make it really interesting. And we do a lot of artisan too to help, you know, soften the wallet. Yeah. Because sometimes you can't afford a tier meta deck. Yep. But before I ramble too much farther, I just want to recommend them. Great show, great product. Check them out on Twitch or Discord. And if you're on their Discord, check out our channel. Yeah, absolutely. Come chat with us. Yeah. Well, other than that, Matt, how's Legacy looking? Not great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone, we've said this, I almost say this probably every episode now. You can't take one tournament's results and extrapolate an entire metagame. Problem is we've been saying that for the, the last three months. Problem is we've been months. saying that for the last three months. And I think I could be wrong, but if I'm remembering correctly, this is the worst showing for diversity of a top eight that I've seen since we started the podcast. I think it's funny because last week we literally went on a rant about how like at least the top eight was really diverse. In the last couple of weeks, the top eights have been reversed. The meta around them has not been. Yeah. But the top like the top eights have been kind of all over the place. Not this week. So there'll there'll be something we'll get into, but I'm pretty sure uh Delver players figured out a a card to add to their deck to maybe counter some of the Delver hate. You think so? <laughs> yeah, I think it's called Delver of Secrets. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just put a couple more back in, and they're doing a little bit better now. Turns out, going turn one threat, turn two threat, threat. Yeah, is you know still very good. Winning this week's challenge, I say challenge because once again Saturday did not fire. Yep. Uh, we've got Trinco Tech playing Elves. This one is actually this is about as spicy as Elves gets. That's still what I would consider like the main deck. It actually cut Quirion Ranger in order to put an Elvish Reclaimer as opposed to the Nettle Sentinels. It's a very powerful card to cut. It is. that I was legitimately surprised. And for a couple reasons, not only is Quirion Ranger one of your best accelerators when you combine it with like Dryad Arbor and whatnot, it also really helps protect your lands against Wasteland. Yeah. And I mean, it does multiple things. The, the card's amazing. So to see him cut that, I was... I don't want to say shocked because, I mean, you got an Elvish Reclaimer. It seems to be, it's got legs, obviously. It's doing very well. It's a huge shake of a very deck, powerful though. card. But yeah, cutting that. Um, the other thing to keep in mind here, uh, it's Splashing White for Archon of Valor's Reach and has two swords to plowshares and a rest in peace in the sideboard. Like the swords, I mean, what's that in there for? <laughs> oh, it's, there's this uh, there's this delving creature that it's blue, blue, and it is a, like a 7 7 8 8 flyer. Yeah. So you've got swords, assassins trophy, and endurance in the sideboard. <laughs> I like seeing the rest in peace. Yeah, like this. I mean, well, it's got a you. That's the thing is they cut out a lot of their like hard answers for reanimator, mm -hmm. which is typically speaking, leyline of the void. Yeah, there's so no got, ley lines. Correct. I'm disappointed actually. So as but, we've discussed a couple times, endurance is better against most other decks, but it's far weaker against uh, reanimator. Mm -hmm. Um. So they've got one rest in pieces, a little bit of an out there. So I was just excited to see a little bit of spice from elves. Uh, this, this is a very, this is a really different take on a, on an elves list. You yeah. know, very, very common. You see Elvish Reclaimer and Nettle Sentinel fighting for the same spot. Quarian Ranger almost never comes out. And for good reason. The yeah. card's crazy. So yep. to see them, obviously a ton of work went in uh, by Trinko Tech to get this list boiled down to what it is. But it's an interesting way to attack the elf deck of shaking up the idea that nothing is sacred and you know anything is liable to be cut for these powerful cards uh he also only has three nettle sentinels and three heritage troops. so he's dialed back the explosiveness with like a like a turn two glimpse is going to be very hard to do back mm -hmm. that's one of like when i'm thinking of trying to do a turn two glimpse i want to go turn one uh green sun zenith for dryad arbor turn two you get that Quarian ranger out and that lets you get going and so like losing those two it's going to drastically cut down your turn two wins. Obviously, that didn't seem to hinder him. Nope. <laughs> so, brought it home. Brought it home. So, congratulations. Yay, elves. <laughs> uh, in second place, far less interesting, uh, Blue Red Delver. What do you mean? <laughs> Blue Red Delver's this awesome. This is one of the two... This He's got the secret tech of Delver of Secrets. Mm -hmm. Two Delver and two Gutshot in two the main. Two Gutshot. 
I called Gutshot as soon as they spelled Ragavan, man. Yep. Uh, Mishra's Bobble. Some of them run them. Some of them don't. Just kind of helps you get your DRCs going a huge, little. Huge, huge help for DRC. Yeah. So. I mean, it's just the, <laughs> how powerful a card like Mishra's Bobble is with DRC where you get to scry one or so you get to surveil one and then almost always use the Mishra's Bobble itself to turn it on. Here. Because realistically, without Mishra's Bobble, it's kind of hard to turn DRC on. Usually it involves throwing a creature in the yard because you got land, instant, and sorcery. Those are the yep. easy ones. And a lot of times you don't want to throw your creatures in the yard. You want to kill your opponent with them. Yep. And so, and one of the way Jess get one of the ways Jess guy got around that was was with Urza Saga. So you get that enchantment land instant sorcery. So without running Urza Saga, you gotta have, you know, unless you're planning on your creatures being dead, which is fair. But did you see the uh, power crept uh blazing volley in the side? I did. End of festivities. I'm happy yep. to see elves uh still one over top of that. Yep. Now again, Typically speaking, Elves is favored quite a bit. Not quite a bit, because Blue Red Elves are still a very good deck. Yeah. It's not super lopsided, but usually it's favored in Elves. It's favored Realistically, for Elves. Realistically, Shepard is one of the biggest pickups for you guys, yeah, that, where you can just slam your four mana enchantment, or sorry, your four mana sorcery to win the game a right. lot of times. Yep. It, it basically forces your opponent to have two answers. You have to answer Allosaur Shepard and, then and have a counter. answer natural order for reference and the festivities is a crimson vow sorcery for one red and the festivities deals one damage to each opponent and each creature and planeswalker they control yep. blazing volley was the same card it just didn't hit planeswalkers so literally just a better version of an already an existing card that does a great job against things like death and taxes things like elves um basically anything go wide now i know that a lot of these cards aren't necessarily specifically for elves Obviously, you'd have to, to talk to this guy to know exactly what he brings in in each matchup. But you've got End of Festivities, Graft Digger's Cage, Toper Orb, Force of Negations, Narset, and potentially even Submerge to bring in against Elves. Yeah. The Elves guy still wants me. Now, to see that. Like, realistically, only one of these cards is here, probably four Elves, and that's End of Festivities. Right. But you do have a lot of splash damage where, like, Torpor Orb is great against Elves and most decks. Uh, Narset is Narset's great against... a beating. I hate... Any of that, you can only draw one card a turn. Doesn't matter which version of that yeah. is, is very good against. It. So a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of sideboard options to bring in for that matchup. I'm sure it's not an accident, but I, you know, probably only one of them is like straightly for elves. Not but to mention two main board gut shot. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that like you look at this and you you know you look at you can name off the five or six legitimate elf hate cards and he still puts in another one. Yeah. Uh, in third place we've got Reanimator. Let's see here. It's only got it's got one Archon of Cruelty, one Sarah's Emissary. Uh, to grief. Yep. So we're running the six, basically six unmasks. Yep. Six unmasks. Uh, I always like looking at the sideboard for these. Um, the 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 main boards look to be pretty stock usually. Yep. Wear and tear. The serenity's back. We're running serenities in this one again. We've got um, the archetype of endurance again over the inkwell leviathan, which is still a weird choice to me. But I guess a six five with hexproof is better than a seven eleven with shroud and Iona shield of Ameria. Like I. I think every random air deck should be running Iona because you just get free wins. Oh yeah, over Grizzlebrand. It's just yeah. a better option over Grizzlebrand sometimes. Other than that, taking a, taking a cursor look at this deck, I don't see anything crazy. I don't remember if we saw them last week or not, but I don't see um, any Chrome Moxes, and that's I noticed that too. They they weren't running them last week. I just okay, so I just know that noticed that this week they were not, we're not not running Chrome Moxes, and I'm guessing the Griefs took the spot of the two Chrome Moxes, which makes sense. Like, it's better to clear the way than to do that little bit of extra acceleration. And they really fight for the same spot where Chromox comes down and is making you discard a card and Grief is making you also exile a card. Like, it, it makes sense to not run both of those to be fighting for that. The, the, You'd have, we'd the have some really hand. bad opening hands if you had. Exactly. Yeah. Trying to figure out which one you keep, what are you pitching to. But it's interesting to go down on man acceleration and go up on hand disruption. Following that up in fourth place, we've got Elves again. Hey, yep. look at that. Another little green elf deck. Having a good matchup against clearly the best deck in the format is paying off for us longtime elves players. Matt, you don't know it's the best deck in the format. It hasn't even been dominating top eights lately. Correct. <laughs> uh, this one looks pretty straightforward. One Birchlore Rangers. I know we're kind of getting into the weeds with elves, but this is, I mean, it's it's my deck. Typically speaking, you'd have two Birchlore Rangers. One Crop uh, Rot in the main. One Crop Rot. That's where that card goes. So you cut a birch lore and you bring in a crop rotation. Just get those guys' cradles up more often. Yep. And it just makes you a little bit more explosive. This is the sideboard I expect I to mean, see. This, uh, other than the force of vigor, 
typically speaking, those two would be a little different for me. But I mean, Jay can look at this. This that's basically what I yep. took to Ohio. Yep. Four ley line, four trophy, four thought sees. Two. This is force of vigor for some flex slots, which that's going to be hitting your uh, your main deck hate. So yeah, things are not main deck hate. What I mean that's like Grafdigger's Cage. Yeah. That, that, um. Yep. Something like that. Yep. And then I, Progenitus. I usually run five either abrupt decays or assassins yep. trophies. And it, ha- it does have really, I mean, if you get in the grindy game, we've talked about Elves is a good grindy deck. It's a beating against Urza Sagas. Yeah. Being able yeah, to, it's n- a- knock out two tokens for the price of a generic elf or to knock out an Urza Saga and mm-hmm. a generic artifact. Yep. Absolutely. This list is very similar to what I run. Uh, oh, well, I was, I hadn't caught it. I was going to say, I usually have five, uh, assassin's trophy effects and then a collector oaf in the spot of those two force of vigors. The collector, he's got the collector oaf in the main. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got fifth place, uh, McWin Sauce. Hey, here's McWin Sauce. Try to shout out the guys we could you uh, imagine, recognize. Could you imagine just being in the top eight every week? Must be nice. Man, that guy's good. Uh, he's playing blue, green sun zenith with Yorion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That deck name is a mouthful. So. It sure is. Uh, well, this is that, like, this is meat pie. Yeah, this is meat pie. One let's plague see. engineer in the main. Ugh. That's hilarious. Filthy animals. <laughs> Shit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Elves put two lists in the top eight. What do you expect? I mean, we always joke around about it. Like, if you're playing this deck and you expect Blue Red Delver to be everywhere, you'd kind of expect Elves to be like capitalizing on that. Mm-hmm. So, if you expect Elves to be a popular deck, what do you need to do? Have an out to Elves. Yep. So, looking at the spells of this, uh, pretty common to see four Brainstorm, four Ponder, usually two Preordain to get a total of 10 cantrips minimum for these 80-card decks. We actually went down to one Preordain and a Path to Exile, which is a relatively rare card to see in Legacy these days, but with the access of Swords to Plowshares and Prismatic Ending, which we do have for Prismatic Ending, four Swords to Plowshares. Apparently you need nine removal and spells. And McWinsaw said he needed one more targeted removal spell. Yeah, well, I mean, look at the top eight. The top eight is... Reanimator, which targeted removal is very yep. good against. You can absolutely have a land. And then elves and blue red delver. Yep. That's In which the case, top eight. like, you know, you, and him. <laughs> you need uh you need that Merktide gone. You need that Ragavan gone. You need yep. that Allosaur Shepherd gone. So makes sense. Well, and that's the thing as well, when you're playing against the Delver decks, you can't expect your swords to plow you can't. You cannot guarantee your swords to plowshares is gonna actually work. Exactly. You need enough of them and you need to yep. be hitting them often. That was my big complaint last week on why I don't like playing against these decks is it usually takes two or three tries to kill the first creature. And by the time you're done, you're they out of kill creature. spells and then they have a Merktide. Yep. Did, uh, have the last couple lists of this been run in Sylvan library? Yes. Okay. It's very common because it, yeah. it just, the Sylvan I, library or a loop is just too good. Yeah. Once, I mean, obviously Sylvan library, letting you dig through your deck, pairing it with fetch lands to not even maybe lose life. Yep. And then once you get Uro online, it's a joke to where like you're gaining six life a turn or four life a turn. Oh yeah. So, Next up, we've got Blue Red Delver running two Delver Secrets. Again, that hidden tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, this list looks almost identical to the one we talked I'm, about before. Yeah, without without comparing like lands, this is the same list, I believe. Yep. And then the next one is Blue Red Delver. Worth, this one is kicking in a little old school. Worth mentioning in these lists, um, we are running Lightning Bolts over Unholy Heat. So they're, so they're really running Gut Shot over Unholy Heat. Yep, they, yeah, they've replaced their Unholy Heat with Gut Shot, which is a big difference. I mean, Gut Shot's one damage, Unholy Heat is usually six. Yeah. Yeah, four bolts and two Gut Shots in place of it. But, oh, we're actually jumping back to one Gut yeah. Shot, one Forked Bolt. Yep, uh, Duncan 90, not only is he running a Forked Bolt, which oh. is totally last year, we've got True Name Nemesis and Young Pyromancer. Wow. This deck looks like Delver built to beat Delver. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, True Name Nemesis in a Delver deck is, in my opinion, a clear indicator that that's your mirror breaker because Delver, outside the stack, just has nothing to do with a True Name well, and will lose to it. And that young Pyromancer, like, being able to grind. Can you imagine? And I know this is going to happen very often. There's only one young Pyromancer in the deck. You got a young Pyromancer, and then you cast Expressive Iteration. <laughs> The value. <laughs> the value. <laughs> that guy's kicking a little old school. Uh, still has... Uh, he doesn't have DRC. That's what he cut. He cut DRC for the uh, Young Pyro and True Names. And one Merc Tide. In my opinion, that's the wrong decision. I hesitate I mean, to use that exact word, but yeah. I I can't say you're wrong there either, Jake. Mm-hmm. Like, But again, what I'm thinking he's doing is he's going to try to beat the Delver decks. That's true. 
So he's going, everybody else is going to be our, be on DRC. Now, if I were him, I personally would probably rather have DRC than Delver of Secrets. Yeah. I can see trying to be like tricky. Oh, I wonder if it's the inherent and very real cost that DRC has to attack. You know, there's a lot of times where you have to throw your DRC into a Merktide just because that is a downside to the card. So maybe that's what he's kind of leaning on. The filtering, though, is just so much worth it, especially when you're running one of one or two of like using DRC to filter to your true name is such a big deal. But Duncan 90 obviously did a phenomenal job and piloted Zach very well. He knows what he's doing. Yep. So just to give you guys a heads up, we are going to go. We're going to cover the top 10 this week as opposed to the top eight Mm -hmm. just to kind of prove a point. Top nine. Tenth is. I don't need. We need to talk about bug. But um, it's just. Then yeah. we've got blue red delver again. Yeah. Uh, What's the rest of the deck? Just uh, just out of curiosity. And then blue red delver again. Uh huh. And then in tenth we've got basically I and, went until we had a non blue red. That's gotcha. why. Then yeah. we've got doomsday. Six, seven, eight, and ninth. And second. And second. We're all blue red delver decks. Correct. Fifty percent of the top ten. Yeah. That was fifty percent of the top eight. Oh, it's true. Like. Yep. Sure is. Again, I know we talk about this all the time, but like, so we got 50% of the top eight is Delver, and three of the other decks are decks that are incredibly good against Delver. Yep. Yeah, this, this, so the meta obviously looks kind of bad, and so does the top eight. Right. Looks pretty bad. Although, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm going to say this. I can't say that. I was going to say the meta looks bad. I'm guessing the meta looks bad. We don't have meta yeah, data it, for this week. The We don't have deck breakdowns, but we do have card breakdowns. We do. Um, the the information wasn't pulled very well this week for MTG Goldfish, which it happens. But so I will not I will not comment on the metagame summary because I don't have one. But the top eight summary sucks. I will say this. This is just a quick aside. If I knew I was setting down against Slaterade playing Reanimator after this tournament, I'd be worried. He just piloted through the top eight. <laughs> Delver, Delver. <laughs> you probably played Delver in almost every matchup. In, yeah. Except the. That's crazy. The, like, <laughs> that's got to be obnoxious mm-hmm. as a reanimator player to be like, mm-hmm. yep, my opponent's just main deck six Force of Wills. Yep. Let's see if we can get this figured out. Six Force of Wills and four Wastelands. Right. I run 14 lands. <laughs> so <laughs> that guy, very good with reanimator. Yes. That's our top 10 uh, most played cards. This is kind of where we'll kind of be able to guess our. In case people care, I took a quick look at 8th and ninth Blue Red Delver, almost carbon copies. Yeah, there was one true name nemesis in them. Yeah, like those are almost carbon copies whatever I've seen. So we, we didn't we didn't talk about them. Those are almost the exact same deck you've seen. Maybe a true name here or there. Yeah. So we'll go through our most played cards. Yep, most played cards. Uh, and just so we can, this will kind of give us our hint at what a metagame breakdown we've, mm-hmm. we're looking at. We've got Force of Will in 59% of decks in the first one. And this is the top 32. So many. Brainstorm in 56%, Ponder in 56%, Days in 34%, Ragavan in 28% of decks. So 28% of the top 32 hey, Matt. is a Ragavan deck. The first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth card. Ninth up most played cards, Blue Red Delver. Yeah. Those are all Blue those are Blue Red Delver Plus cards. other stuff, but yes. Yeah, but yeah, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Days, Ragavan, Expressive Iteration, Force of Negation, Merktide Regent, and Pyroblast. One through nine, those are all Blue Red Delver cards. Right, and then you've got Green Sun Zenith, which makes sense given Elves and the uh, Zenith decks running around. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, just brutal. Pretty funny. <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, it's, it's the same top 10 of most played that we see almost every week but when you see it really like driven home like this like hey guys you know those past couple tournaments where it's been kind of not i don't want to say good but like eh, yeah good enough defendable it's been defendable yeah it's at least been like okay well i can see why they're not jumping the gun to ban Uh something like and you shouldn't jump the gun to ban something because of this one no but whoo he looks bad that's that's ugly this was a bad sunday to play legacy unless you're an else player (laughs) <laughs> yeah, unless you're an Elves player or a Delver player. Yep. Delver mirrors can be fun. Got a shit-eating grin on their face like, oh no, not another Ragavan. <laughs> How will I ever deal with that uh-huh. with my deck of 32 1-1s? Yep. <laughs> uh, top creatures, the only thing that's really interesting here is Oro in 5th. Oro yep. and Ice Fang Coatl in 5th. Yep. Ragavan, um, Merktide, DRC. Yeah, same first, stuff. 2nd, 3rd. Top spells, same stuff. Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Days, Expressive Iteration. Yep, almost the exact same list. Lotus Petal made it top 10. I'm going to tell you the truth, Matt. Legacy looks pretty bad. Now, I heard of some chatter on Reddit, and I usually don't give this kind of chatter any, like, 
Credence. This is basically we have a group of people getting together in the legacy community and talking about promoting their own format. This obviously isn't the first time this has happened. You have things like middle school. You have things like pre-war the spark. You have things like pre-modern. These kind of like insulated groups where it's non-wizard sanctioned, but it's just a people decided they want to play a certain form of magic. Now you dug into this a lot more than me. Yeah. I'm going to kind of push it over to you. Uh, what is MTG Heritage? So MTG Heritage is kind of, uh, I didn't catch the name of the guy who came up with it or made the post, um, but it's his solution to the current problems that Legacy is facing, and not just with Modern Horizons 2. So what it is, it's a format where, kind of like Legacy, in that it's an internal format, so everything back from Alpha forward, except any set that did not go through standard. So any so supplemental no set. No supplemental products at all. No Commander, no Modern Horizons, no Secret Layers, none of that stuff. So what this does is it gives old school players like me kind of what we've been asking for. Does it have unsets in it? It does not, because okay. that's a supplemental set as that's well. That's a big one for me. <laughs> so like I like I was doing some reading about it, and there, you know, it it's getting a little bit of traction. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure we talked about it because A, I think at least the spirit of it is like knocked it out of the park with what's legal, in my opinion, as opposed to something like pre-modern. So the problem with pre-modern is it's never going to get any new cards. And we don't like Legacy players as a whole don't want to never see new cards, yeah. but the new cards that are coming from these supplemental pro- uh, products are just wildly unbalanced. Yep. And that, I mean, anybody who tries to deny that is just, in my opinion, wrong. Like, there's mm. no arguing that, like, Ragavan is a balanced card. He may be okay given, you know, in a certain metagame or whatever. Argue, so in modern, he's fine. Currently, but even that, we're starting to see some rumblings in modern, too. Yeah. But so, like, like in modern, he's not a huge problem. But in leg, leg, legacy, in has, context, he's an okay card. Yeah. And with in combination with other cards, he's not. Yeah, he's probably really cool and cute. Just as a, <laughs> he's, he's a really he's a really swingy card. That could be a yeah. lot of fun. Um, so it eliminates a lot of that stuff while still giving you a slowly changing format, which is what legacy players want. So at least in my opinion, and we've discussed this before, the reason I play legacy is because it has these old cards. The fact that Modern and Legacy look so similar to me is a problem. MTG Heritage would look nothing like Modern. Mm -hmm. Like Modern is dominated, for better or worse, by Modern Horizons 1 and 2. Yep. Like that's just a fact. There's no debating that at all. Nope. Now the metagame seems to be relatively diverse. People seem for the most part to be happy with its current state, but that doesn't, and that's fine, that's Modern. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't want modern and legacy to look the same. Well, they don't have. Yeah, they still don't have to. Like, right. it's like that, is, that isn't something that I would like be aggressively avoiding. But it 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 doesn't look great when they right. look the same. Well, I, I don't. I don't think you should design a format to be like it cannot look like that format. Correct. But the 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 issue happens with these two particular formats together. If legacy looks a lot like modern, what that means by definition is modern cards are being played in legacy yep. because legacy cards can't be played in modern. I would restructure the argument that. It isn't that modern looks like legacy. It's that modern and legacy look like MH2. Right. So it's this one set. This well, one set is just dominating. It is. And th- there's been other instances of it as well. Not to, nearly the, to this degree, but when they first, uh, for example, the Eldrazi Winter, when mm-hmm. those cards came out, they were all over legacy. Hogak, same thing. Hogak was all over legacy. Now, again, that didn't lead to any, if I remember correctly, anything banned in legacy. But like that's almost kind of a little bit of a reverse where modern was playing with it was legacy Hogak was designed with modern in mind, but modern players were basically playing with a legacy deck yep. at that point. So those two should, in my opinion, if you're not seeing the legacy specific cards being played a lot in legacy, that's a problem. Like they should be the highlight. That's why we're playing it. Yep. And that's why I've always argued against the banning of days. Days isn't legal in any other format. I mean, it's legal in but like, you know what I mean? And it doesn't count. Right. <laughs> Sorry, vintage guy. <laughs> yeah. Eastern Europe or Western Europe. Sorry. Um, but so like you don't ban days so that Ragavan can stick around. If you want to play Ragavan, you play the format where Ragavan was designed for. He was mm-hmm. designed for modern. Go play him in modern. MTG's heritage solves a lot of these problems by just going all these problem cards. They're just not legal anymore. Yeah. And they still have a ban list. And the ban list, at least as far as I know, is going to be this may change. So, you know, if don't quote me on this. Oh, yeah. The, but the ban list is, at least at the start, supposed to be the same legacy ban list as it currently is now. 
obviously excluding the cards that aren't even legal. Yep. I think it's a good decision. I don't think uh I don't think we should have the inception of a new format and also have the inception of a new ban list. It, I think it's a pretty radical change. You're yeah. already doing a big change. I think one big change is enough. And just for perspective on people listening, like like we're talking about like things like force of negation isn't aren't, aren't legal. The yep. elementals aren't legal. Ragavan's not legal. Hogax not legal. I'm gonna say Uro, but he's actually Uro is legal. Yeah, he's in Throne of Eldraine. But you're, I mean, maybe he's something that controlled that. You see some huge, huge shakeups in Allosaurus like, Shepherd's not legal. Allosaurus Shepherd's like in in some of the top tier decks in terms of some really powerful pieces they use. They they lose, and the idea of this being that you know it's it's okay if everybody loses some big pieces because we all kind of get knocked back down to a a more a, a lower power level because we things have just kind of been elevated so much lately. Right. That's the big problem. That's what people are so upset about. The reason Ragavan wins games is because games are over on turn three. If they're at least decided. They're decided by turn three. You know, if if Ragavan was introduced in a format that the games normally go to turn seven, he's okay. I mean, he's okay, but he's an early game threat that you can answer probably. But when he has gotten the game, when the game is ready to be ended by around turn three because of him and the cards that support him, it's a problem. Yeah. So removing him and removing the cards that help support him could be. Well, I shouldn't say that because we're not removing the, we're not moving all the cards that support. Right. Him, but removing the cards that just accelerate this game so much, I think, is what a lot of us are looking forward to. Right. Like, and it it gets rid of. I mean, one of the true name nemesis. I don't know if you said that or not, but true name nemesis oh, goes, which yep. legacy players like we were talking about, and a lot of legacy players have kind of gotten used to. And I mean, after the current, uh, you know, top eight or whatever, you might be like, well, maybe True Name Nemesis isn't that bad of a card, mm-hmm. given that Murktide, DRC, and Ragavan exist. We look at, oh, we cost three mana for a 3-1? Oh, well, okay. I mean, here's the thing, like, it's just perspectives have been so skewed. Yeah, that's like, what I mean. You know, you, uh, True Name Nemesis and Plague Engineer, those are egregiously designed cards that shouldn't exist. I get that they're way worse than Ragavan and DRC, but they still they're still exist. egregiously designed and shouldn't exist. Like, and to me... Because like that's like saying you know I broke my finger and then got shot in the shoulder. Right. It's like well my finger doesn't hurt anymore. Well the big thing with me as far as those types of cards is like Legacy has a lot of incredibly powerful cards that were the either a designed bef- like Brainstorm was designed before fetches. So like Brainstorm yeah. if we, if you don't have fetches is mostly okay right. Yep. It's still a good card and I mean I know it's awesome play in historic and whatnot but I mean obviously shuffling your deck was still like people at this point know the power of brainstorm yeah but but what i'm saying is like cards like plague engineer and oko and ragavan these are not design mistakes these are intentionally pushed cards to sell packs Mm -hmm. lion's eye diamond is a design mistake skull clamp is a design mistake like those are oops and then they create something interesting now whether or not that's too powerful like you know obviously skull clamp is banned but like whether or not that's too powerful it's it's an accidental interesting interaction rather than pay one mana and get eight lines of text like mm-hmm. that's not an accident that's not a design mistake that's an intentional choice it, to make a pushed card. they just kept adding things to that card because right. it's a new set and they want to make money on well, it there's a little bit of room left at the bottom of the card give it dash yeah <laughs> like, no kidding we didn't fill the text box so we got give one it more dash. line right so like getting rid of the supplemental sets gets rid of a lot of these things yep. Obviously, every now and then you're going to get a set like Throne of Eldraine, which still introduces some broken yep. cards, it, but that'll be at a much lower rate. It does kind of suck because, like, I mean, you lose Hogak. Like, you're going to, you lose some decks. Yeah, there. there's some decks and that you, just, you know, you legal. lose a lot of diversity. You lose some really cool cards from Commander that I'm sad to see go. You know, you lose, like, I was really excited to play with, before Murktai got spoiled. I was excited to play with Octavia Living Thesis as like mm-hmm. a control finisher. This 10 mana 8 8 with Ward 8, but. If you have eight instants or sorceries in your graveyard, it only costs blue, blue. So yeah. that was a two mana eight, eight that you had to really work for. That's gone. And, you know, things like Retrofitter Foundry are gone. Now, yep. obviously, Urza Saga is also gone, but you definitely lose a lot of cool toys. But I think the juice is worth the squeeze here. Like, I agree. We're losing enough things that are, in my opinion, and I think most people would agree, genuine problems with Legacy. Now, the collateral damage is some really cool cards. Like, I think Hogak's a cool card. In in terms of the legacy format, I think Hogak's awesome. Yeah, there's... I'm he, sad to see that go. That's the funny I, thing, Madness, he was designed in modern. Madness it, is probably gone. Yeah, Madness is gone. Because you're losing your eight Wallace. You, yep. you know, you only have four Wallace again. Like, it sucks to lose that stuff, but no one's playing legacy. I think something should change. And this is, this is, the, this is the perfect solution where 
Wizards is unwilling to, at least in a timely manner, come out and change these things. And they're definitely unwilling to change their printing practices in terms of literally putting unsets into legacy. The best way to answer that is for us as a collective to just get up and say, well, we'll just do something different then. Yeah. Until you fix this, we're yeah. going to play. Heritage. No one's burning down Wizards HQ. We're just saying like, well, we'll just go play with our own ban list, essentially our own our own yep. set of legal cards. And player driven, player created and driven formats have had success in the past. They're <laughs> usually much smaller, yep. but I mean, the biggest format in Magic right now started. Yeah, and that's EDH Commander so there started was, as a player format. There was one, yeah, there was one where they used to play where they would all get together in between D and D and play Elder Dragon Highlander. Right, and it has now become the most popular way to play Magic. Right, so I I'm personally excited. I'm uh, the big thing. If you're uh, interested in checking out, check out their Discord. Uh, there's a link. On, there's also a MTG Heritage website now. Gotcha. Um, so if you go on the Legacy subreddit, this is, again, we're kind of back in the weeds a little bit, but if you go on the Legacy subreddit, there's a post talking about it, and there's some like links and whatnot. But it's like, you if you Google MTG Heritage... Yeah. I mean, I'll do it right now. You'll, you'll get there. And that's, you know, like I said, we're kind of, we're still kind of in beta testing of a new format. We're kind of getting things... I shouldn't say we. We are not associated with this, other than we're, no. we're supporting it. I take no credit, Matt takes no credit to the people that are getting this going and putting the work in, but it's brand new. It's starting. And so I'm not necessarily willing to throw my horse in this race and be, and I'm not throwing my, I'm not, not necessarily pretending this, this is the solution, but I'm looking at it as a really cool thing. That is something I'm interested in seeing what happens. And it doesn't take anything from you or me or from Matt to let it be successful. What it might mean is if they have a discord and they start running semi-regular tournaments through MTG Melee, hop in and play some. You know, yep. you it's easy to look up what the ban list and the legal list is going to be, build some legacy decks around it based on, I mean, you could literally hop back to pre-War the Spark and get you a solid template there and just yep. add some cards to it. Play. So just so everybody knows, if you go to mtgheritage.com. Gotcha. Right there. They have an FAQ, giving you a good description of what's going on. Um, the uh they've got like the ban list and stuff like that. Yep. So check out that website if you're curious about it. Um I'm on the Discord now. So like it's 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 an interesting solution. It's the perfect solution to a problem like this where the timing it, of it's perfect. Inst yeah. Like the the like it's hit the like the peak of this kind of crap yep. going well, on in legacy. Our frustration is crescendoing and yes. And like this is the, this is not just two guys in a basement yelling at the world. This is a group of people. I'm making fun of us specifically, yeah, oh, but yeah. this is a group of people who have taken their frustrations and done something it, productive with them. Put it towards a productive, a productive solution. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Matt brought it up to me a couple of days ago, and he was like, "Do you think we could bring it up?" And I was like, "Absolutely, we should talk about MTG." At the very Heritage. least, I mean, we're we are functionally a, a news podcast, and in eternal formats, a new eternal format is news. Yep, but and the, I, and I think it's bare I think, minimum. I think it's a really cool idea for a new eternal format for sure. Yep. Is there anything else you want to cover on MTG Heritage? No, I think we're good on Heritage and Legacy. There's, it's, you know, there's not really a ton to talk about when yeah. half your top eight's one deck. I didn't want to talk about the top eight. Like, like we we did a whole like like like, like meta discussion last week because the top eights were kind of the top eights had been interesting. This one is not something like looks particularly interesting to talk about. Elves and Delver showed up. Cool. Yep. So we'll hop over to Modern. It's gonna be a short episode this week, guys, because there's just not as much to talk about. We actually got a quiet week, which I'm not terribly upset about. Yeah, Wizards didn't break anything this week. Yeah, they took a few weeks off of. Just, there's just the one guy at Wizards just sweeping up broken glass from last week. Yep, <laughs> like... that's all it's there. Everyone else is on. There, you know, the reason we haven't gotten any crazy new announcements is it's Christmas vacation, probably. Yeah, <laughs> they're taking some weeks off. So don't expect the band now anytime soon. Hopping into the modern meta, I maintain still modern looks great. Modern is a ton of fun. I played five or six games just in the free queue. And obviously the free queue is a lot different than the uh, leagues. I just have, I just don't have time for leagues, but tons of fun to be had. So first place was our Yorian ETB tribal deck. This is your Yorian elementals, a $2,000 modern deck according to MTG goldfish. I will note that costs less than most 80 card death About and taxes. How much it costs uh, for black red reanimator. <laughs> so black red reanimator like list. That guy's list. They yep. got, uh, so you could, you could buy two tier one-ish decks in Legacy for the price of this modern deck. Yep. Other than that, there is one kind of interesting addition to this that I saw, and it was a single Wandering Mind. Now, this card, while just an okay card in general, I'll read it. One red, blue, for a 2-1 with flying. When Wandering Mind enters the battlefield, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a non-creature, non-land from among them, 
and put it into your hand, put the rest in the bottom in any order. So three mana to look six cards deep for a non-creature, non-land, pretty good. The first place I saw this getting played was Aspiring Spike had took his reanimator list and turned into a Yorion list with Wandering Minds to help find basically any pieces you need. So he flexed into red where it was a Esper list and picked up Wandering Minds along with some other things. To see it bounce into this list is interesting. Like other people are playing with it. And I also don't know if maybe Aspiring Spike got it from someone else. I just saw it first there with him. Because he has a lot of brewing and he has a lot of streaming. Um, other than that, I didn't see a ton of crazy new stuff in this particular Yorion ETB tribal deck. It looks relatively stock. Yep. Obviously an incredibly powerful deck. I mean, one of the most powerful things to be doing if you have the time to do it. Speaking of having the time to do it, we've got two... Grixis Shadow lists in second and third. Looking at these, they both look pretty similar, in my opinion, and they both look pretty stock. I didn't see really anything that was crazy um, spicy in these particular lists, either in mainboard or sideboard. Matt's kind of going through them right now as I am I, yeah. to see if he sees anything interesting. You know, the, some of the numbers are tweaked here and there, but I mean, like for the most part, these mainboards are almost identical. Yeah. And, you know, your sideboards are always build to taste. Uh, Grixis Shadow bringing up two lists in this top eight after last week, I think having three lists in the top eight. Like, for whatever reason, Grixis Shadow is hot, hot right now. Everyone's playing Grixis Shadow or Red Black. I was worried about, and I think we've talked about it before, but I was worried about Solitude kind of just taking Death Shadow out of the format. You'd think. But it just doesn't seem to be the case. Well, here's the thing. I think we talked about, like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, yeah, like, because this isn't, like... In legacy, shadow list. in legacy, you used to see Death Shadow lists, where Death Shadow was the finisher, and if you lost your shadows, you were kind of up shit's creek. Yeah, and these are just really powerful decks for Ragavan, for DRC, and two Kroxa. They just happen to run two one mana 1313s or 12 yeah. 12s, whatever they are. Well, they can be 1313s with dress down. Fifth Pretty place. Good giant growth. Yeah. <laughs> fourth place was not a particularly interesting list to me. It was Crashcade. And again, looking through it, I didn't see anything particularly special in this crash in this Crashcade list. You've got your four Starless Agent and your four Violent Outbursts to fuel your crashing footfall shenanigans. Beyond that, it is a Crashcade list. The, the big downside to the to uh, running Cascade is it is very limiting on what you can play because you're you're to, to force a hit, you can't play anything that costs less than three on its face. And there's obviously ways to get around that with things like, you know, Brazen Bar because you have that two mana Petty Theft. Things like Dead and Gone and Fire and Ice because they check the CMC of both together. Like the deck construction of these decks is very limited because you're you can't have anything less than three, except for some weird adventure cases or some weird split cards. But didn't see anything particularly crazy there. Fifth place was the interesting list I want to talk about, which is this Grixis control deck that, in my opinion, the guy who registered this has some of the biggest cojones I've ever seen when it comes to a uh, top eight. So this Grixis list with Alurus Companion is running four Ragavan. Or Snapcaster. And that's it. Yeah, no Planeswalkers. No Planeswalkers. And then it runs three Culligan's Command and two Lightning Bolt. And after that, there is no way for this deck to hurt you. Unless it casts its Ragavans, its Snapcasters, its Lurus, or one of, I mean, Culligan's Command, the worst shock you could get, or two Lightning Bolts. This deck can't touch you. And so, obviously, it's a control deck. It's got, I think I added up, between nine and 13 pieces of targeted removal, counting like Culligan's commands and lightning bolts and unholy heats and drown the locks. Yep, and you're going to reuse those with Snapcaster yep, Mage. Snapcaster Mage getting you value out of them. Luris letting you reuse your Snapcaster and reuse your Ragavans. So I'm <laughs> the deck is good at controlling, but I just, the top end on this deck is so low. Whereas you have things like Proxa as a 6-6, six, six, um, Murktide as an 8-8. Eight, eight. I'm kind of surprised it doesn't have one. I have Croxa. no idea why there's no Croxa in this. There's obviously got to be reasons, but like, holy cow, guys. Ballsy. Yeah. I, I thought it was hilarious. I saw this and I, I, I looked over it like once, twice, three times. And I was like, how does this deck win? Because uh, we had added it up. At most, you can have 13 power on the board. Because yep. that's what the four Snapcasters. Four Snapcasters, Lurus, one, and one Ragavan. One Ragavan and one Lurus. You can, yeah, you can never attack for more than 13 in one turn. I mean, obviously, it was kind of a silly thing to say, but my, yeah. like, the funny response is, or you could just cast your second Murktide and make a 13-13 flying. Right. TSP Gendrick. Coolest, dude. Yeah. I feel bad. I do well. want to jump back. Uh, Ryan Wu won. I, I did not give him the proper credit with his ETB Yorion tribal list. Sixth place was a really cool, like, Eladomri's Call 
um, Yorion ETB list. So we still have Yorion and Flicker effects with Ephemerate and a lot of ele- or a lot of elementals with Fury and Solitude and Omnath. We pick up uh, I think more Planeswalkers and is kind of traditional for those decks. But we also pick up an Eladomri's Call package. So we got four Eladomri's Call and some really interesting one ofs to tutor up. Matt and I were talking about it before the show. How like in my opinion these like these cards are so silver bullety and so narrow that I don't even think they warrant spots in the deck. Now they're only one ofs. There's there's in particular three one ofs that you're having. You have an 80 card list that probably isn't going to come up very often. But you got a Valky God of Lies, which Matt brought up is probably there because it is a tutorable planeswalker. Now my argument to that is, well, the Valky isn't that good, and Tybalt on the back is okay, but he isn't that good of a planeswalker. And if you're going to tutor up a seven mana planeswalker. You could also tutor up any seven mana creature and probably there are better things. I mean, like if you're looking at these, like any creature that for seven mana, like Sarah's Emissary is a seven mana creature. And that's three white, so it's harder to cast, but seven mana. Archon of Cruelty is only eight mana. Like these, those creatures are very castable if you're tutoring up a seven mana. And I don't know that Valky holds that spot better, in my opinion. Renegade Rallier is uh, one green white for a, it's a three, two, and it has revolt. When it ETBs, if one of your permanent left the battlefield, then you can get a permanent with CMC two or less back onto the field from your graveyard, which equates to literally a Ragavan, a Valky, or a Renin six. So it's or a land. It's okay, but I mean you're paying five mana for that if you are tutoring it up. You're paying two mana for the Aldamri's call and a card to then play the Renegade Rallyer. Now you could flicker it and start getting extra value back, but. I don't know if Renegade Rallyer warrants the deck space. It's an okay card and it's, it has its uses, but I'm not sure it like warrants the the spot. Yeah, so I was just looking at the list and it does have Bring to Light, mm. which does give you a little bit more flexibility. And if I'm remembering this correctly, with Bring to Light, you can actually cast uh, the back of Valky and cast Tybalt. That it. changes so it. It makes Tybalt cost five effectively well, to directly tutor him onto play. Yeah, five and tutoring, it's big difference. Yeah. So that, 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 I, I take back what I said. The I knew, I, I looked right over the Bring Delight. I saw Expressive Federation and stopped reading. Yeah, Bring Delight really changes that. So now I take it back what I said. Like seeing the Valky there makes a lot of sense because Valky thing with the Obsidian Charmall. Valky on turn five isn't too bad. Like Bring Delight's actually pretty cool with Fury, Solitude, stuff like that. Like yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. So this is just you know again just a kind of like an additional thing. Bring mm-hmm. Delight lets you cast anything in your deck. Pretty sweet. If you have all five colors. Yeah. It's kind of hard. It's like this deck is. It has them, but you have to have all five colors when you go to cast it. Um, But the the other card he mentioned is Obsidian Charmaw, which again does gain some value when you can bring to light it out. So Obsidian Charmaw is basically a five mana four four with flying that when ETBs, you can destroy target non basic land. Uh, It has this rider clause where it costs less if your opponent has lands that tap for colorless. Yeah. Basically anti Tron. Yep. So. Honestly, the bring to light makes those decisions a lot uh, more clear. So I can't take back what I said. Like, like in my opinion, these cards are still very silver bulletish. But having the extra ways to tutor them out immediately into play definitely changes my mind on how good those potentially are. Yeah, use the call for some of the cheaper dudes, and you bring to light for some of the bigger. I mean, I mean, Eladomri's call for solitude and fury just gets you out of a lot of binds. Oh, absolutely. So I take that back. Especially now, this is something that. A lot of people might not expect Eladomri's calls an instant. It is. So it's I mean, it's it really about, is worldly tutor for two. Yeah, it's I mean it's better than worldly tutor. Worldly tutor puts it on the top of your deck. Or does this Eladomri's calls also to the top? No, it's put it in your hand. It is? Yeah. So two that's mana way better. for a tutorable solitude. Yeah, that's way better. <laughs> so oh, you're gonna swing with Murktide? Uh Eladomri's call, oh. exile, solitude. Yep. Yeah, that, that's a that's, that's, cool. that, that's a lot more powerful. Like I saw the Eladomri's call coming in for I mean, four furies, four salt. Yeah. Like, like Eldarmus calls a great card. I just, I thought the, the it was a weird choice to give up deck slots for these kind of weird one ofs mm-hmm. that I wouldn't think I want to tutor up very often. But again, with the bring to light, putting them into play, that, that changes things quite a bit. Yeah, about the only one, the rallier is about the only one that's just kind of. It's a weird choice. But now we're at the point where it's a one. Yeah. You know, when I was looking at, if in my opinion, we had three creatures that probably shouldn't be here, that's a lot, even for an 80 card deck. Going down to one card that's one iffy card in an 80 card deck is fine. I mean, one iffy card in a 60 card deck is probably fine. I'm dumb. Everyone can roast me in the comments. Matt does anyway. <laughs> yep. 
Seventh and eighth place are both Hammer Time lists. Seventh place was a Luris Hammer Time. Eighth place was a non-Luris Hammer Time. So we've settled it here and now. We we know for a fact which is the better version. Obviously, Luris. No, obviously we don't know that. <laughs> In my personal opinion, I think the Luris decks are better than the non-Luris builds. Looking at this Luris list, um, I didn't see anything particularly interesting about it. It looks like a very common, very standard Hammer Time list. The about the only interesting thing to me with that is it's good. I'm glad to see that Hammer Time can perform without Luris. It definitely can. I mean, eighth place, it definitely can. Now, looking at this eighth place Luris list, or sorry, non Luris list, you literally get two cards in the main. You get a Nettle Cyst and a Sword of Fire and Ice in the main. Now, those are very good cards. Nettle Cyst is like an extra cranial plating, and it's a cranial plating that makes a dude on ETB yeah. that can also get fetched out with Stoneforge. Pretty good. Yep. And Sword of Fire and Ice is unarguably one of the best swords ever printed. But I don't know if running them in the main is worth not getting to run Luris. Because presumably in the main, or sorry, your main deck is your game one, and you're planning on getting Hammer out and punching someone in the face with a Hammer Time. And neither of those cards works towards that end particularly. Those are good grinding cards for end game. And if those aren't working towards your game one strategy, I don't know why you don't move them to the side or take them out put Luris in and give you a better chance of making that turn or that game one strategy work with the ability to in the late game rebuy all your pieces. Now presumably you're in the late game no matter what, because you have the late game you're using Luris, or you have the late game where you're using a metal cyst or sort of fire and ice. And maybe that was just the decision they made where if they're going into the late game turn one, they'd rather have a nettle cyst to go fetch versus buying a Luris into your hand and then replaying your enablers and replaying your hammers. Yeah, it's basically you're really just trading overall power for a little bit more versatility. Like the swords are good. Mm -hmm. So you, you're effectively picking up a couple cards in the main, but it allows you to run a few more cards in the side. Like he's got sort of sinew, uh, sinew and steel war and peace. It's true. So like the, you get a couple extra cards so you can bring in a couple silver bullets yeah, you, against anybody. Yeah. You are more prepared to, to bring in those cards. Now the seventh place list doesn't, but I have seen a lot of Luris lists that just run, the swords in the side yeah. and just don't reveal Luris for games two and three if they need yeah. to. And that's what I would do with this is I would run Luris in the main. I would put my swords in the side and my Nelsis in the side. And the games where I want to be able to go long and grind out, and I think that's a better strategy than Luris, I just would put them in and not reveal a Luris. Yeah. But, you know, we every week I like to point out that I didn't put a single list in the top eight. So I sit here and critique these players on what they chose to play and what I think I would have done differently but I give the utmost respect and praise to the people that showed up on Sunday and pwned noobs. So the metagame summary for Modern is also kind of whacked out because MTG Goldfish isn't working, but we can hit top. Uh, most played cards, Mistress Bobble, Ragavan, Expressive Iteration, Unholy Heat, and Stoneforge Mystic. Funny to see two or three of the same cards from Legacy uh, in there. Uh, I like seeing Stoneforge in the top five. I love Stoneforge. Yeah. I, 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 um, I'm debating selling my extra Underground Sea to... Uh, I want to put some money towards um, if Julian listens. I think my wife and I really want to take a safari. Like I'm talking to Julian about the prices and whatnot. Like I kind of want to start saving for that. So I, I might put some money towards that. I might take like a couple hundred bucks out and basically build Azorius Stoneforge mm -hmm. in modern, which is kind of funny that I can sell one legacy card and get most of the it, pieces for a modern deck. Yeah, most of the pieces you don't already have. Because yeah. I already have a bunch of them. But yeah, yep. you can buy a lot of a modern deck with $800 um, because I have my Stoneforge and I really want to use them. The top creatures. Is Ragged there any Band. particular reason you don't just build Hammer Time? I don't like Hammer Time. Gotcha. Um, I have played with it a little bit online. I've watched it be played a lot. I don't. I just don't like it. You don't typically speaking like those all-in strategies. I don't. Um, but the only time you have is Reanimator. But Reanimator I, does a pretty good job, typically speaking, of protecting itself. It it can. Um, but I mean, even in Legacy, like I played Reanimator for a while and I enjoyed it. And I sold it. Yeah, I sold out a reanimator because I just got tired of I got tired of being glass cannony and just losing. Mm -hmm. Just be. I mean, obviously a big part of that is me being an experienced player. I'm I'm much better now than I was then. But even now, I still don't really want to pick it up that much. I would play it and maybe a, a, for funsies, but I don't look forward to buying back into reanimator and having reanimator. I don't. I don't crazy like super glass cannon strategies. Um, that's case in point. The modern reanimator package I play, it's not glass cannon. I don't, I, you go a little bit down on cards, casting Faithful Mending and whatnot, but I'm not ditching my entire hand. I'm not dumping my cards. I'm not putting myself in an unwinnable position to try and get Archon out on turn three. 
if Archon gets killed or removed by turn five, I might be able to just cast a solitude, answer your only problem. Yeah. Then if we go another two or three turns, if I can hit my land drops by, you know, flashing back mendings and stuff, I can just cast an Archon. I've had a lot of games where I just cast Archon and win. Yep. Like you get to eight mana and you win the game. I, I personally have moved away from glass cannon style strategies and hammer time definitely qualifies. And that's, that's the biggest reason I don't like to play hammer time. I love being the one who knocks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to swing with a 10, 10, uh-huh. <laughs> eat a dick. Yep. <laughs> hope you brought some, I hope you brought your A game. Hope you're salt. <laughs> hope you have salt, dude. Cause if you don't, you're dead. Yep. Yeah, Matt's a very much a make them have it kind of player, yep. and I I like how ha- I like playing make them have it, but I like having a solid backup plan. And, yep. well, and that's what I like about elves so much is it yeah. does have a pretty solid backup yep. plan. Elves is the best mixture of a deck that can absolutely win on turn two or win on turn ten. Yep, and it's up to you to decide. Yeah, I and I always make them have it. Yep, I I am less so than Matt, but he, you have very much rubbed off on me the the make them have it mentality. There's a lot of games you'll win. Just because you make them. I mean, I've, I've won a ton of games with Reanimator where it's like, you know, it's turn three. If they have a counter spell or a removal spell, this game's over. Uh, you got one? Yep. No? no? Cool. Well, and that's the thing. And you'll you'll start to get a little bit better at that if you play control a lot. And I know you have. Mm-hmm. But like when you're the control player, a lot of times, like when you're playing the control deck, you're like white knuckling it. Going, I know. I really hope they don't have it this turn because I don't have a yep. way to stop it. But when you're sitting across from a control deck, you're like, oh, they always they seem always, to have yep. it. You're white knuckling it. Yep. Yep. So you just got to be the guy who's willing Gosh. to go natural order. You got to force uh, will or do you do I win? I do like playing control. And I do like playing. I have Azorius control or Jeskai or whatever. I do like playing it. But it is hard on the nerves every time your opponent untaps. And they got four lands. Shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you, get, you get a real good poker face. Yep. What you got? Go ahead. No, play it. No, go ahead. And I do. I, oh. I make them have it. Yep. And I unless and, I like know for a fact that I'm walking it. Yep. Like, like you don't want to be an idiot about it. Like if you're seeing them play specific play patterns or whatnot that would indicate that uh-huh. that like almost force it to happen. So like, you know, if they if I cast glimpse and it resolves, they probably don't have natural order. Of course it will. Or yeah, force of will. Yeah. It's it's like don't you know if you're playing against the spell pierce, like it's if you're if they showed you spell pierce in game one, if yeah. they're leaving a blue up. Don't walk into spell pierce. Correct. Until you you can, to... But yeah, there's a like sometimes it's best just to make them have it because as a control player, I will bluff until I'm dead. Right. Because you get to you get in this weird limbo where if I don't have it, I lose. And if I do have it, you lose. Who shoots first? Yep. Me. Yep. And Almost every time. I've started shooting first. And you win more than you lose. Now, legacy is a little different because legacy has Eight counter eight eight free forces. Well, and the big thing with legacy modern. is every deck that has an answer to a combo, typically speaking, they're running cantrips. So every single turn yeah. that they get, they get to look at three or four cards. Yep. Like yeah, the not, odds they're not going to hit one of their six force of wills yep. are pretty low. Yeah, they're not just drawing a card a turn; they're right. drawing four, and they're not drawing random stuff off the top. Nope, they so look like, at three of them, go, "I don't want those." Shuffle them, right? Get a fresh. So you need to to the Best of your ability, limit the number of turns your control players get to take. Yep. I agree very much. You Sometimes sh- you just got to go for it. Nope. I, I mean, like, I agree with that play style. Don't do it to me, though. Yeah. Let well, me have a few extra turns. <laughs> you've gotten plenty of, hey, Jake, natural order. You got it? Oh. <laughs> no. Am I dead? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Top creatures, Ragavan, Stoneforge, Esper Sentinel, Dragon Rage Channeler, and Memnite in fifth. I mean, Hammer Time. Hammer Time's one of the most popular decks in modern. Cut and dry. No affinity. <laughs> no, I didn't see anything. I didn't see any affinity in the top 32 even. And top spells, Mistress Bobble, Expressive Iteration, Unholy Heat, Lightning Bolt, and Veil of Summer coming in at fifth. A, a relatively new addition to our top spells list. Um, I An incredibly powerful card that comes in with uh, ev- with blue-white being one of the most powerful decks you can be playing. Seeing Mistress Bobble is the most played card just is, leaves a bad taste. Yeah, it's not great. But whatever. Again, I've said it before and I'll say it again right now. Currently, I wouldn't take literally a single card yeah. out of mine. So that, that's just, in my opinion, that's just, an, that's just a, a symptom of Luris. And there's a lot of people that would like to see Luris banned. At least, the, I mean, or banned as a companion would be really cool. They won't, if they would ever do that. Like, once Luris goes, Mistress Bobble's probably gone. Like, it pairs pretty well with DRC, but well, the, it wouldn't be just the stock four of an DRC, I mean, and you've got some Urza Saga running around. Do you know but, how much Mistress Bobble costs on MTGO? They're like 40 bucks a piece. 
Yeah. As an uncommon, that's been reprinted once or twice. For a minute, they were 20 or something in paper. Yeah, this was a were, while ago. But I think I sold mine for like 12. Yeah. So that's our modern meta. It, I think it looks pretty good. Um, it looks a lot better than Legacy. Crixis Shadow is kind of becoming a problem a little bit. Crixis seems to be settling into the right now the most powerful color combination. And it's just this combination of MH2 cards with Ragavan and DRC backed up by the crazy threats of Death Shadow and Kroxa. But I have no doubt that the modern will modern will find a way to resolve around it. Not to mention, if you pull up MTG Top 8 and look at the meta breakdowns, I don't know if any deck has more than 6%. Yeah, so it's like Grixis Shadow is doing is performing really well, but it's not like everyone's hopping on Grixis Shadow. It's not everywhere. I mean, when I went and played my four or five matches, I played a different deck every time. Yep. Well, and the unlike Legacy, the interesting thing here is you can actually see what people ask for a lot of times, where you see Modern answering its own problems, mm-hmm. where it's just like okay, for a couple weeks, Char Belcher was a thing. Then we tuned our decks to beat Char Belcher. Yep. Now it's not a thing. Well, I mean, for prime time was showing up for a minute. Yep. Cascade was all everywhere for the first couple weeks after Modern Horizons too. And these things, Reanimator. Mm-hmm. You had that uh, uh, Arclight Phoenix deck floating around with yep. the four blue Demi-Lich. card Demi-Lich. Demi-Lich. Like all these decks keep coming and going and waxing and waning because Modern seems, at least in its current state, to be able to answer its own problems. Yep. And I think the, the 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 best example of that is your meta shares. Your meta shares are all relatively low. Everyone has a somewhat even meta share in the top echelon. Yep. And That's if good. I remember correctly, there's not a single deck that has double digits. No, I, I didn't. Not that I saw. Because like I hopped on, I was building a I was building a, a, a online sideboard, and I was like, man, it's, what it's, do I sideboard? Against? It's a lot easier to sideboard in Legacy when you go, oh, it's these three decks. Yep. <laughs> well, Matt, it's a pretty quiet week as far as Magic goes. We didn't get any crazy announcements. We didn't get any bans. Um. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about this week before I get into the end of our episode? Well, we could always go really deep into the weeds about Final Fantasy XI if you want. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I always recommend everyone check out the Plain Soccer's podcast. Like I said before, we are proud members of the Plain Soccer's podcasting network, and you should check out Will and Aramis at twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's podcast or join the Discord at discord.plainstalkerspodcast.com. If you do, make sure and drop into our channel at Cantrip Cartel and shoot us a quick hello. If you want to reach out to us more personally, you can hit us and you can send us an email at uh, cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel, and you can also hit us up on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel. We've even got a YouTube channel going. Unfortunately, we don't have enough subscribers to have like a fancy Cantrip Cartel URL. But if you go to YouTube and search Cantrip Cartel, you'll find our channel. And I usually post these episodes on the Tuesday after so it's usually three or four days after the show comes out it just takes me a little longer to get them uploaded with my kind of crappy internet but it gives everyone a chance to just have somewhere else to listen to it in case you want to you know have it on while you're doing the dishes or sweeping the floors other than that matt is there anything i'm forgetting mtgheritage.com mtgheritage.com and with that i think we will see you guys next week all right have a nice night guys uh, i'm gonna go ahead and crack for a volcanic island and ask ragavan Surely you don't have days. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>